This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and mom, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, we've got a great guest today. I really uh, like uh, Robert Gore, who's going to be on, because he's been on our TV show, and he's a mathematician and a scientist, which uh, I love having these guys on, because it's so important to have some men on that have had loss that can talk about it, isn't it? Absolutely, and and uh, we are going to be talking about writing through grief and as you said, Robert's been on our Open to Hope show. He is a dynamic writer. He wrote a great book called Dear Andrew, and we have endorsed it on Amazon. So please go and take a look at it and buy it and read it. And let me tell you a little bit more about him. Uh, Robert Gore is a teacher, a writer, a mathematician, and a scientist, as you said, Mom. He is an active member of the Bethesda Writers Center and of the Compassionate Friends, where he is a trained group facilitator. Dear Andrew, a collection of letters to his deceased son, is his first literary publication. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you, and, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you on. As I said, it's I think it's so important for men to be on, because I know you um, work with Compassionate Friends and uh, and have a group. Are you in a group now? Are you involved with the Yes, group? yes, the Potomac chapter. It's so important to see guys there, isn't it? Yes, it is actually, and we have quite a few, uh, quite a few men in the group. And I and I dare say it's probably because you've been mm-hmm. there. I was just going to say that, Mom. <laughs> well, I can't take credit for that, but but well, uh, one of the things we enjoy doing come, uh, you know, uh, and find very very valuable is occasionally we have uh, not just an ordinary meeting, but we separate and have a men's group and a and a women's group. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Well, I, well, yeah, I know that um, Andrew died at eight years old. When he was playing in a wagon, and I think he it went out into the street, right? And he was run yes. over. Yes. Um, and and our hearts go out to you about that. He was he was so young and died tragically. And what I was wondering is, after he was run over and after he died, how long after that did you find the compassionate friends? Well, actually, uh, I didn't find the compassionate friends for uh, several decades. I did find mm-hmm. a different group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have a, a chapter of the Compassionate Friends in Michigan, in southeast Michigan, near me at the time. Uh, there was a group called First Sunday, oh, wow. and then there was just a group with no name that was within, with a, uh, affiliated with a hospital. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually joined both of those. Oh, wonderful. So you did that shortly after yeah, Andrew I'd died? Yeah, I'd say within about six to eight weeks uh-huh. after Andrew died. And and what about group do you think is helpful in healing? I mean, what what helped you early on? Well, initially, it was just the idea that here were people who felt the same way I did. Everybody's loss was different, but these people, they all had lost a child, and 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 the 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 anguish from that was uh, was shared. Uh, I, I remember in one of the first groups, the facilitator asked me to talk for a little while. And then she said, "Anyone else uh, here relate to these uh, to these feelings?" <laughs> Everybody raised their hand. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it was a sense of shared 
shared feeling and shared experience. As as I like to say, shared tears are less salty. Oh, I like and, that. And and so, uh, but over time, it evolved, and 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 I I became good friends with many of these people, and uh, uh, I'm I'm still in touch with uh, with some of them after all these years, and uh, and and learning to care again is very very important. Uh, and then learning also, to care again. Of course, explain what does that mean? Learning to care. Well, again. learning to care again. Mm-hmm. The the I the I think that what happens is that we have our faith in love is is shattered when we when we lose a child, uh, because you can't love more and it seems to me anyway you can't love more completely than you do your own child and and so here your 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 very faith in love is is uh, shaken, and so there can be a reluctance to commit to new love to to commit to to uh to uh new caring uh and and through the group you can't help but begin to care for other people you learn their stories you learn to care about their children mm-hmm. and wow, you and can about touch what those they've feelings again huh you know you you actually saw Andrew die how did that affect you actually being there at the scene well, uh, it was horrifying, of course, and uh, and it was uh, it was a major trauma. So initially, it really complicated my grief process uh, because uh, because what I saw was was so horrible, and uh, and and so dealing with that. I, in fact, I, I've been told by uh, several therapists that had he not been my son. Had he been a total stranger, I would probably have needed to do some therapy to deal with uh, with the horror of what I saw. And so, for a while, it complicated it. It, it made everything uh, uh, that much more intense, that much more difficult. I, I obsessed about it for for oh, probably for years mm-hmm. or several years. Now, the years. people that are listening to this, or ha- some of them have had this, and are have you know, they're wondering how did you get to where you are now with having seen it well uh that was that was hard uh because initially it was very hard for me to talk about uh i told my therapist um and i told uh maybe one other person but but i i really had a difficult time i couldn't talk about it and writing actually helped me a great deal uh because i i got to a place in in the letters that i was writing where i wrote this is what happened Mm-hmm. And and in, and and that was helpful for me to just get it down. But the most helpful thing was then I shared it. I read it aloud mm-hmm. to a group of people. Wow, that's a great way to initially tell your story. I think I didn't even think about writing it down and then telling it that way by reading it. Yeah, and 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 the whole room was with me, mm-hmm. and I felt. I, I I felt as though a great weight had been lifted off my shoulders, that that I had finally let it out, and and I think actually, having published the book is is that is that same thing. It 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 feels as though I've let it out. That that now anybody, not just the select group of people, but anybody can now uh, know the story and know who I am through this. 
And the other thing is you don't have to worry about forgetting it because you've written it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can kind <laughs> of give up sure. some of those details. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Well, well, I don't know about you, Robert, but I remember early on when my brother died, and he died traumatically as well. I didn't see it, but it was traumatic and uh, in a traumatic car accident. For some reason, sometimes when I would tell people, I would feel embarrassed. And I don't know why. I think that's such yeah, you a know, weird the de- I think the details feeling. are important. Heidi didn't see it, but the boys burned to death. Oh, so, my. You know, so there's, got, there, there's a visual of that. It was almost as if there was some shame. And now that I've interviewed people, I've heard other people say the same thing. I mean, I know that's odd, but the more I could tell people and get my story out there, the less shame that I felt about having a story like this. Because it was an unusual story that my friends had never had. My friends had never had brothers and sisters die. Right. So I felt and, very much and a weird, certainly alone. Not, and certainly not in that way. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. I, and I think, yes, I think there's some shame. I think there's also, to me... Uh, reading it, I could immerse myself in what I was reading, and so I could feel at what all the feelings that were in the writing is, and, and all the feelings that were inside. But when I tell people, I don't know, I, I feel as though I'm watching myself. I feel mm-hmm. as though I'm not, I'm not quite present. And so I, I feel maybe I'm not showing enough feeling. Maybe I'm showing too much. So you're and judging that, yourself to a certain extent. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that judgment is it gets in the way. So so then writing it and reading it, you don't feel separate separated from it. That's right. That's right. So, so and I, I looked up and the whole room was everybody was in tears. Wow. And and we just held each other and it was wonderful. That's fabulous. I know that you're very involved in compassionate friends and it's been twenty nine years. And we're also involved in compassionate friends and for us it's been over thirty years. And I know for some people that scares them. You know, people that are early on in their grief are like, wait a minute, what? Why are they still involved? What would you right. say to, to those people? Well, actually, they said it to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, it was uh, the first I knew about this was uh, when I went to uh, the uh, a facilitator training, and I went with two other people, and both of them were fairly newly uh, bereaved uh, within a year, uh, maybe two years, and um, and they both said to me, you know, when I first met you, and I found out that uh, that you, you know, that your son died in 1988, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't still want to be doing this in in 20 years, you know, I I and and they said I was afraid of you, mm-hmm. and then they watched me in the meetings, and they realized I was there for them. Right, right. And that I could talk about Andrew and, 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 and not only not cry, I could tell a funny story and laugh. And they, and they, they said, that's the way I want to I wanna get to be. So you were a model of what it looks like to be a little further down the road and could be a lifeline. Right. And my mom and I always say, we're not in the business of grief, we're in the business of hope. Right. I, I, and that's a, that's a really wonderful way to put it. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell me, uh, let's talk about the book a little bit. Talk about the letters you wrote to Andrew. Talk about how the book's composed. Well, I started writing the first letter I, I wrote a week after he died, and uh, and I began uh, writing whenever I I felt the need. I, I could just feel the the uh, or if something happened, but more often it was just an emotional buildup. 
and uh, and so the letters are are in real time. They are they are current from from uh, at 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 the time that I felt what I was writing. And I know you wrote the last letter nine years before the first after the first one, right? After the last one. So after the after last the, one. Okay. So there was nine years between the the two last letters. Oh, okay. Wow. okay. How many years did you write total? What, well, let's started? see. I uh, started in 1988, and uh, the last letter is 2010. Mm. Uh, the letter before that is 2001. Mm-hmm. And how did so, it come about that you wrote that last letter? Uh, well, I went to that facilitator training, and and uh, it was a large group, and we had a go around. Uh, and I'm used to go arounds. So I've been I've been involved with them through therapy in the past, and you, you they. The, the facilitator of that group, uh, the trainer, wanted us to uh, say uh, a little bit about where we were in life and, and, and why we were there. And, uh, and I usually, when I do a go-around, I have always thought, well, all right, what am I going to say? And this time I didn't do it. I just listened to everybody. And when it came to me, I said, I've come to a place of peace in my life and in my grief, and I want to share that with with people. I love and then that. I, and, and then I thought, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I never expected to be in a place of peace, and here I was saying it. And so I had to write to Andrew about it to find out what what was that all about. So you totally surprised yourself. I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I, I I mean, people have got to watch the TV show we did with you because there is an amazing story about how you met the the, the driver, driver of the truck that hit Andrew's tricycle. I'll just briefly say that you went to get you felt Andrew with you, and you went to get a garage door opener, and you went yeah. to the store to get it. Yeah. And the guy who went and, and it, got it was the guy who hit Andrew, right? Yes, was it was. It That's was weird. Um, it was it was uh, it was remarkable, and and that encounter helped me move forward. I I had been stuck for a little while. I I had not been able to be angry, and uh, and that that stopped right away. <laughs> I walked out of that store furious because so, there was no apology, no nothing, and right. he was going too fast on that street, and yeah. I mean, that's an amazing thing. Well, tell us, how did um, uh, writing the book and losing Andrew and everything, how did that affect your parenting? You have two two girls? I have two girls, yeah. Uh, uh, I, Andrew's older sister, Leah, uh, and, uh, and, and Hannah, who is, uh, who is much younger. And, uh, and, and really, having lost Andrew, and especially... On, on his own street, you know, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had to deal with the terror of, uh, well, in, in the case of Hannah, uh, she was born after Andrew, uh, after Andrew died. So I had, to, I had to come to a place where I was really certain I wasn't having a child to, as a replacement. Mm-hmm. It, I had to have uh, Hannah because I really wanted a child, whoever it was, it wasn't going to be Andrew, and um, and 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 for Leah, I remember helping her to learn how to drive, <laughs> and <laughs> I remember one of the times after after working with her, I, I I went 
home and and I called my mother and I said I said anytime I asked for the car when I was a teenager you said sure what were you thinking Oh, so so you realize that it isn't. I think one thing that we all realize when we've had these kind of losses, be it a sibling or a child or whatever, is that it, it's not a predictable world. You know, it's no. not mm-hmm. a totally safe world. It, it does um, make you realize that things happen. That's right. And so uh, um, more with Hannah than with Leah because she was uh, already uh, 14 or 15 uh, when Andrew uh, when Andrew died and uh, and shortly after, uh, but but more with Hannah, I really was very conscious of the fact that I I was afraid of certain things that might not be something I want to communicate to her, mm-hmm. and I because I want her not to be afraid of the world, I want her to be respectful, but not afraid, and uh, and and I think I've done a pretty good job with that because she does things that scare me to death, <laughs> like like go skiing in the in the Colorado Rockies. Well, so. and I, I think you're making a really good point, Rob, because I talk to a lot of parents, and and you know I'm talking as a brief sibling, and a lot of the brief siblings that I work with, as I tell the parents, say, look, my parents are way too overprotective because my sibling died, and I need to be a normal kid and live a normal life. Mm-hmm. So I love that you were very aware of this, and and that some of your it sounds it sounds like some of your fears you kept to yourself. Well, I, I I talked about it with with my wife Linda, yeah. and I and I'd say I'd say you know I, this is a perfectly reasonable thing that we're doing and letting her do. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to death. Right. <laughs> Tell me it's going to be all right, mm-hmm. knowing of course that that's no guarantee. But but she understood what I meant, and she said, "Listen, I'm scared too, but yes." you know, you, it'll be okay. I love that. That is, that's a great way to handle it rather than going to your daughter and saying, you can't do this. I'm terrified. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, so where do people, uh, get your book? Let us know, dear Andrew, where can we get that? Uh, from Amazon. Uh, it's, uh, on the Amazon. You can just search for dear Andrew, or you can search for my name, uh, G O O R. And, um, and it will pop right up, either the Kindle book or a paperback. And where do people find you? Uh, where do they find me? <laughs> uh, I have a web page. Okay. Uh, uh, it's called uh, DearAndrew.net. DearAndrew.net. Mm-hmm. Very good, Robert. Well, we, we love all the information you've given us today. And as I said, and my mom said, please visit Rob's show because you've got you've said just so many valuable things. And... We love all the words of wisdom you had in your book, Dear Andrew. So thank thank you you so much for everything you're doing in the grief and loss world. Thank you, and thank you very much. Thank you, Robert. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, Heidi, it's so exciting to hear about men who are out in the grief world and willing to speak and compassionate friends. What a great idea to have people write their story and read it to the group. You know, I really like that because I feel like he's giving me an, a new idea. You know, when I facilitate a lot of um, grief and loss, and you do as well, workshops, and in fact, we're going to TAPS for the military this this next weekend over Memorial Day, I'm thinking there's some people that, that want to tell their story, but they, they aren't, they don't know how, or they might break down, or they're not sure, you know, if they can get through it, but they want to tell it. And yeah. so I love the idea of giving them the option to write it and read it. 
and maybe even their next somebody sitting next to them could read it if they didn't want to. I like that. I don't one. know. It's it's an amazing idea. Yeah. Well, we want to thank everybody for uh, listening to the show today, and please tell your friends and family about OpenToHope.com. We've just got so many resources for people who've suffered a loss. And as Heidi and I always want to say, if you lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own. And God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.